Hey folks, wake the hell up. It's Tuesday and it's episode 51 and this week we are speaking with Frank Elias, the president of Utica Coffee Roasting Company. So what's the deal? Is that your new marketing strategy? Just yell at the listeners? Well, wake the hell up, you rotten kids. Well, I was trying to tie into their branding. It's very uh, on brand for them. I see you. On see brand. You? Hashtag on brand. We've always been on brand here, folks. Welcome back. Uticast. We're happy you're here. boost of energy on Tuesday morning. That's why we do this on Tuesdays, because I've always historically felt like Tuesday is the most boring day of the week. Yeah? Yeah, in general. That's fair. Tuesday, Wednesday's rough for me. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, I like Wednesday because Wednesday is sort of that middle, like, demarcation day, even though Wednesdays for me are kind of long at work. Tuesdays, I I don't know what day is the toughest. I guess, yeah, Tuesday does kind of suck. Tuesday's weak. Well, Tuesdays are weird for me because I normally have Mondays off, and so Tuesdays are always like the beginning of my week, kind of. So they yeah. do tend to sort of fly by. My first day of the week is always a flyby because my industry is a little bit more weekend-based. Mm-hmm. Like my longer days are, you know, Thursdays and then like Fridays and Saturdays and stuff. Well, my Moonlight waiting gig is only like four days a week anyway. So I have that weird schedule that starts the middle of the week and ends mm-hmm. sort of halfway through the weekend. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, God, waiting table time, man. It's the worst. It really, I tell you what, like as <laughs> as like I, as somebody who's watched you go back to waiting tables and like watched your schedule change from, you know, when we were, you know, a couple months ago and, you know, throughout the time we've been doing the show when you had like that nine to five office job, you look at that and then like to watch the switch. I don't know if I could go back to it. I don't know if I could um, go back to that going in at four, getting out at midnight, one o'clock. I've had problems with it because I'll tell I you bet. why. I'll tell you what the problem is, is that my body is now trained to wake up early in the day regardless so even if i'm not going to work until let's say 3 30 in the afternoon i'm probably still up at 8 39 whether yeah. or not i'm like doing anything 8 39 on the dot not yeah. 8 40 then you've slept in yeah that's like <laughs> 839 on the dot. uh do you know what i mean i'm saying like the, oh I yeah i got you my body and i don't know if it's just getting old and maybe this happened and if we have any listeners who agree with me or feel the same way you can write into us uticast.com or you just nod vigorously to yourself in your car, <laughs> desk, or wherever you're Yeah, casually nod in your car or in the office. Um, it's true. Yeah, I've noticed that as I get older, I have a hard time sleeping in, in general. Even on days where I'm like, I'm not oh doing anything today. I'm just going to sleep in. It doesn't happen. Yeah, it's it the worst. Same thing. Work. When I get a day off, my body's just trained now. Like, I'm up yeah. early no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter how little sleep I get. Uh, so as tough I'm, lives we have. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned, uh, we have Frank Elias from Utica Coffee Roasting on the show today. Very, oh, yeah. Very excited. Um, go ahead. Yes. Oh, I thought you were thought you were excited for something. You were throwing your hands. Oh, I'm very you. excited. I mean, I'm always excited <laughs> on Monday night. We can cut the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like we're traveling in time. It is kind of because like we're, we're recording the show right now, but nobody's going to listen to it until Tuesday. So technically, we're existing in the future. Mm. As long as that little red record button is on, we're in the future. (laughs) Uh, I want to just let you folks know, uh, we talked a little bit about the NBA Finals last week. Uh, We're not going to talk about it this week uh, because the NBA Finals will be airing in a couple hours from the time we're recording this. Uh, I'll just let you. Oh, that is tonight. Yeah, it's tonight. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, So I'll just let you folks uh, in on what may be a little secret. I'm actually going to work on something special for you, sports fans. Maybe later this week, early next week. So for you, sports fan listeners out there, keep your ears to the grind. Might have a little treat coming up in the next couple days. 
Uh, that was pretty subtle, right? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no. I got to tell you, we've been friends for a long time. You were not necessarily the most subtle guy. No, no. You're like, I... you're subtly not very subtle, I think. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> My segues are good, though, so let's move into another sports segue. Uh, this Saturday was supposed to be the Maiden, or last Saturday was supposed to be the Maiden Utica Golf Tournament. Which, yeah. Which was postponed due to inclement weather. You know, it's I, I feel bad because our our dear friend Matt, who from uh, M and R events, who sort of guy. who sort of started, he conceptualized this idea and started thinking it up, and he came to he came to us at Maiden Utica to get a little bit more juice to get some more people in on it to you know use some of our contacts to help him reach out because mm. it's his first time trying to do something like this in the community. He, I feel so bad for him because I saw him today, yeah. and he still feels so bad that he canceled it because he's like, I panicked. He's like, it was raining at nine, and the weather report said it was going to rain. It did, and it turned into a beautiful, beautiful day. To be fair, I was around that morning when he had to call people, and it was raining so hard it did not seem like there was any potential. Yeah, that there was ever going to yeah. be golf played that day. There it was really actually uh, one team did still go out. <laughs> one team did still go out and compete in the tournament. Um. Oh, there was man. still one team that went out and completed the Maiden Utica golf tournament. Uh, my brother Andy and his team, uh, they went out there. They could not be stopped by the weather. Weather doesn't stop champions. Oh, um, Shout out to the lads. And we let we let <laughs> we let my brother Andy take over the Maiden Utica Snapchat. And I, it's that's that's one thing that sucks about Snapchat because he he probably snapped like forty videos and it was gold. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen on Snapchat by a long hard margin. Like it was very like it was and very it's go- good. and it's gone forever. So I like know. I wish I could tell the listeners go back and watch, but I mean y'all missed it. This <sighs> is what happens. But they did come in first place. Congratulations to the lads out there. Indeed. We'll get you a first place trophy. Um, you gotta stop saying that to people because now you're like having to. You got to give you're trophies, giving everybody I know, trophies. trophies. You're giving trophies, I like trophies left and right. Um, Something else, real quick, on Saturday that I don't mm. know if you've got it in your notes, but I'll just either I'll jump around if you don't. Go, no good. My show too. I'm saying it. Uh, the eighth birthday of Nail Creek was yes. on Saturday. Yeah, and they had festivities all day. They had bands. The Crazy Fools were there. Thomas D was DJing during lunch. Um, it was a great turnout. They had some great band at the end of the night. I didn't catch the name because I'd come from the Brewers Fest at the brewery, mm. and so. But they played a really cool cover of Psycho Killer by the Talking yeah. Heads. They did a great job with that. So happy birthday to Chris Talgo, Mike McNamara, everybody down at Nail Creek. For sure. Uh, one of our favorite spots. Great guys. Um, I feel confident in saying that we, I've actually been in contact with Talgo for the last couple of weeks. Uh, he will be on the show in the next few weeks. Talgo is imminent. Yeah, he's imminent. He'll be All in the right. next few weeks. I don't exactly know when, but he is interested in coming on. I'm very happy to have him. So I'll, that'll be the next few weeks. We have some good people coming up next few weeks. I'm very, very excited. I like that. Uh, it's been a good run. We've had some really. I'm, I'm I'm constantly impressed by the people who are willing to come talk to us. Just because I'm always surprised people want to come to our house. Hey, <laughs> it is opulent. Uh, and I want to shout out very quickly before we get. Do into you this think sh- they would come if they knew Parkinson lived upstairs? That's why I don't tell them. Smart. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, Erin Hagen's not here this week. She is unfortunately stuck in a board meeting. I don't think we've mentioned that yet. No, did we not mention it? Erin Hagen's not here this week. Uh, we do have our good friend Cliff Montoni coming back though in the next segment. Like to hear it. He joined us. Earlier this week, this is the last thing we'll talk about here. Uh, we went on the Adirondack Scenic Railroad beer and wine train last Saturday. Um, we're Friday. Gonna, was it Friday? I think we did it Friday. It was Friday. It was Friday. Great friends of the podcast, the Adirondack Scenic Railroad, our yeah. dear friends. You'll be hearing a lot more from the Scenic Railroad coming forward the next few weeks, but we had Making a... some noise. We had a, an absolutely wonderful time. I, I, yeah, man. I gotta be honest. I can, I can say it. I can be honest. I had no clue what to expect with the beer and wine train. 
I was a little concerned about what happens on the beer. Like, what do you do on the beer and wine? I didn't realize there was going to be a band on the train. No, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't realize there was going to be like food. It was good, man. It was, it was very it impressive. It was really good. Yeah. It was so much more than I expected. And I think it's a little bit of a kind of a hidden gem, really. I don't Dude, think... absolutely. Think about yeah. it. We went there. We went with a group of about or like 10 or 12 of us. Uh, Less it was, than that. Uh, whatever. Yeah. About 10 people either way. And so we went there and we went from like, we left at 6. We got back at like quarter after 9. Just rode up to Remsen, hung out Remsen for a little bit and then back. I think it's smart that they sell wine by the bottle and mm, by the glass, yeah. and they give you those glasses at the beginning, so you have a glass, like a Scenic Railroad commemorative glass, whatever, because you don't want to travel all the way up all the cars to get stuff, so selling beer by the six-pack and wine by the bottle is definitely the move on that yeah. train, and you know, for it's just it was something so different on a Friday night, which I thought, that was one of my favorite things about it. And you know the people who work there are great. All the volunteers, all the you know, all the volunteers are you know much much older folks who have got all these great stories. Great stories I was man. talking to that one guy, David J. His name tags yeah. in the back. He's the great great grandfather or the great great grandson of uh, James Schoolcraft Sherman, mm. and he was showing me where like Grover Cleveland's parents are buried out like off the side of the. Tree. It was just mm. all the history and like the old and new blend together. I would recommend. I mean, I can't give it a stronger endorsement. If you're looking for something different to do, because I, I got to tell you, I haven't been on it since I was a kid. I thought it was going to be a little. I don't want to say I thought it was going to be lame, stuffy, but like I thought it was going to be just kind of boring. Like, yeah. Here we are, and I ended up having a blast. Um, I couldn't believe how many people were on the train too. <laughs> and before we move on to the more serious portions of the show, I just want to say this: uh, when Kate Riley joined us for this event, our good friend of the pod, Kate Riley. She was standing on the back of the train, and as she was going through a crosswalk, some gentleman uh, showed her... Is this a ringing endorsement for the train? <laughs> no, it's the only downside of it. And there's nothing they could do about it, because it's just some guy on the side of the road. But he did show her... He hung a uh, little dong at Riley. He hung the dong yeah. at our good friend, Dave I mean, Riley. <laughs> you know, he probably couldn't resist. He saw Riley out there, wind blowing in her hair, sun shining <laughs> on those baby blue eyes, and he was like, hey... Gotta take my chance on the railroad. Does that ever happen to you when you're out in public? Do people just show you body parts? Does that ever? <laughs> I feel like that's ever happened uh, to me. I don't think I'm pretty enough. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it is. No, but that's a isolated <laughs> incident aside. I mean, <laughs> that was the only downside of the whole event. Everything I feel. You know what clear. I feel like might have happened. I, granted, I wasn't there, so I can't. You know, I can't say for sure. That sounds to me like that could have been somebody trying to be sneaky and like go pee off the back of the train and uh, not realize that she would be right around the corner right there because I it was see. like the open end of the end of the car train. I don't know if it was just no, no, no. like it wasn't someone on the train. It was someone off the train. Oh, it was a civilian in the street because they went past one of those crosswalks. It was like a guy on a bike. <laughs> That's the part. It's not like there was some oh. creeper on the train just taking his genitalia out. It was a creeper on See, a bike. Because it was the beer and wine train, I wasn't paying attention to all the details. And so I kept asking, like, where is this guy? Who's like, who's show? Who's this guy? <laughs> where, where who's is this guy? Like, let's let's take care of this guy. Who is that guy? I don't know who that guy is. Oh, man. That's uh, that's the kind of levity we need. This is uh, sadly take, good. Yeah, dude. Go take the beer and wine train. Yeah, it's great. Uh, sadly, this is... Uh, this we're trying to get as much levity into this show as we can. Uh, we, Everybody knows there's some sad shit going on, and we're yeah. gonna have to talk about it. Uh, we'll get into it in a couple minutes with Cliff Montoni. Um, again, folks, you know we're not saving lives out here doing podcasts. We're just out here having a good time, trying to entertain everybody. Uh, sometimes serious stuff comes up, and we have to talk about it. But uh, you know, hopefully, things won't be so serious next few weeks. Uh, so let's get Cliff in here, and we'll get into the show.
show, we all have coffee today. All of it's us. True. It's true. It's a cold day outside. It's a coffee day, I feel like. Yeah, I've been very heavy with the coffee today. Erin uh, Higgins, as I mentioned, not here today. She is at a board meeting, but we have a treat for you. Good friend of the pod, Clifford Montoni, back once again. Hey, buddy. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and last, since last time you were here, we had a conversation about your name. And I want to get into a li- this because it's kind of light and we're going to get into some heavy stuff in a minute. We were talking about the name Clifford and you were saying you don't like the name Cliff. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't love it. I don't love Clifford. You don't like Clifford? No. And I've defaulted to Cliff because making something out of the blue just didn't seem right. Okay, so I pitched this to you, and I'm, I'm, I'd am I'm like to promote it. I think you should change the shortening from Cliff to Ford. Ford Montoni is a tight name. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a dope car from the 70s. Yeah. I, got a, I got a 1973 <laughs> Ford Montoni. And it's, it's true. Yeah, I think you should start pushing that. See, and my middle name is Ward, so I would be Ford Ward. Ford Ward. Ward. <laughs> Yo, Ford which, Ward. That might take that in a whole other direction. Oh, man. That does not quite uh, e- exhibit the... The, the type of opulence that I would like. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and then very quickly, uh, you were also at the Adirondack Scenic Railroad trip, uh, beer and wine trip with us. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was I thought tight, it was great. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's something so simple, but it's really, really fantastic. Uh, we, we've already talked about this, so I won't go too far. Yeah. But again, I just I loved how comfortable the seats were, man. Great seats in that thing. That's I, true. I think when I got on, I just declared it would be the only way I traveled from now on. I, I saw it. That was after you purchased an entire bottle of red wine, which you decided to forego a glass. <laughs> uh, you figured out that your seats reclined. You uh, were definitely you were you were the prince, I was quite at home. Yeah, prince of the train. You were yeah. very comfortable it, out there. It was a very Ford look. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. It's very forward looking. Yeah, exactly. Not so much yeah. Cliff. No. Cliff's the guy who like checks the brakes. Right. On the train car. <laughs> Ford is the guy sitting in the back with a bottle of red wine. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah. Well, that was nice and light. I'm glad we I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, so when the we're gonna talk about the Orlando the Orlando shooting. Um, we talked about the the Paris France thing uh, with Charlie Hebdo and that happened, uh, and we had a nice conversation about it, long conversation, pretty in depth. I'm going to try to not hit a lot of the same points that we hit last time, but it sort of speaks to the problem of how how often events like this are happening in our country. I feel like we've had a conversation about a mass shooting a billion different times on this show. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll do my best to give this uh, a very quick uh, rundown. Uh, so earlier this week, uh, 50 people at least were killed, and... Uh, I think it's up to above 50 or 60 more were injured uh, by a gentleman named Omar Mateen. I guess gentleman is not a great term, uh, who called 911 and pledged allegiance to ISIS before he did it. Um, I did have a quote that I'll go to for a minute, but while I'm looking that up, guys, do you have any initial thoughts about this? Like, what? Anything you want to bring up initially? Anything that sticks out to you? I, think I really? yeah, I have I have a ton of thoughts. There's yeah. there's a ton of things to be said about it. Number one. Um, I'd be perfectly comfortable next time this happens because this will happen again because yeah, this is a sure. recurring problem in America. Um, I'd be comfortable not naming the person or giving them any credit because I think the yeah. media uh, feasts on it like a feeding frenzy. I mean, this is That's horrible, and, and this shit happens all the time, and this is the worst it's ever been. This is the largest... Yeah. You know, this is the largest mass casualty event that we've had like this, you know, since 9-11. And a lot of people are going back and forth. They can't decide if it's a hate crime. They can't decide if it's terrorism. They can't decide, you know, what it is. And it was, you know what the worst, you know what one of the worst parts was for me personally? And this is a really petty thing compared to, mm-hmm. you know, some of the losses people in the communities in Orlando are feeling. 
But it's so hopeless to get on Facebook after this kind of thing happens and watch all of the the just sewers of humanity open up on mm. people that you know and stuff and everybody talking yeah. about, you know, trying to politicize it and turn it into a, a Muslim thing or a thing about the election or a thing about, you know, gay rights. And it's just, it's gross, it. man. Yeah. And it's insane. Yeah. And, you know, even those people too, that's, it's just, it's too much. And it's just, you know, for such a horrible, horrible thing, I don't know what the answer is to this. Uh, there is no, it's, it's yeah. a complex answer. Yeah. I think it's a, like a multi-layered answer is the problem. I want to throw this out here. This is a, the guns that were used were again legally purchased like days before. I don't know if you guys saw yeah. the clip. There was a clip from a town hall that President Obama did on PBS uh, maybe ten days ago, two weeks ago, or something. And he was asked a question by an older gentleman who's like, you know, and he was basically doing that that same uh, false equivalency trash argument that you hear from the Second Amendment people, where he's like, you know. If we don't punish the car manufacturers and people have DWIs, how come we punish right. the gun owners and this and that? And he went through and he made a great point. He's like, you know, sir, that's ridiculous to say that I'm coming for guns, which, you know, is ridiculous, even though it's an argument that's been used. But the way, you know, bills that the NRA has lobbied through Congress make it so that we don't have any recourse for somebody like this guy who committed this act was on a no-fly list. He's on, you know, terrorist watch list. The mm -hmm. FBI had talked to him. And there are laws that protect him to be able to buy guns. There's nothing we can do if somebody who's on a no-fly list, yeah. domestic terrorist watch list, there's no way to stop that guy from right. getting those guns. It's completely legal. Even though he's not allowed to get on a plane because he might blow the thing up, we'll still let him buy whatever guns he wants because a bunch of slave owners before electricity was invented came up with an amendment for muskets to defend their farms from wolves. Right. Because that's the conversation we're having. You know what I mean? There's not really too much else to be said. You nailed it. It's an absurd thing, and the fact that we're still talking about it is kind of disgusting. And it's, like, well, I, 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 don't, I don't really see nuance in the conversation. I, do, I see a problem, though, and I think... Uh, I think we talked, you, you talked about it. It's a question of whether this is a terrorist attack or if this is a hate crime. It's both. It's both, yeah. certainly. Uh, but you talked. You you approached the Facebook thing, and in general, I agree with you that Facebook is a pretty vile den of terrible stuff that people you know pretty well <laughs> seem to put out it's there. Sad, and make it's it's not sad like to see some of these people. Yeah. But yeah, I want to. Yeah. I'm going to take the other side of that coin. Uh, again, take a shot. Living in New York City, I met a lot of uh, LGBTQ uh, friends and coworkers and associates and people who live their lives that way, and seeing some of those people go on there and proudly talk about being in a part of this community and how it affected them actually did make me, uh, I got a little fire lit up under me because I, I had fallen into that trap where I, like, I got a little numb to this. It was almost like when Obama was giving his speech the same way. It's like, it's hard to not feel like he's just filling in blanks with different cities and location and people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I actually read some of the things that people were saying that in the LGBT community, that I was like, God, really this, it's just so horrifying, especially at a place that a place like this in Orlando, in a gay nightclub on a Latin night, where people who may not feel accepted in their regular everyday life go to feel accepted and comfortable and surrounded by people who share their beliefs in that community. To have that sanctuary sort of attack that is safe really space disgusting. Yeah, that place where, mm. and you know, to have it go on like that. I mean, there's you know, I've I've got a lot of friends also who come from the community and. 
you know, to see the response from a lot of people and the outpour and the support down in Orlando has been amazing. Mm. But even um, a friend of ours who I won't, you know, I'm not going to name on the show, but somebody we know from here locally who lives down in Florida, who's, you know, a gay man living down in Florida works at that bar. Right. And I had a short conversation with him today. I didn't want to take up too much of his time because we're not close enough to the point mm-hmm. where it would be anything other than morbid curiosity to really right. dig in with him. But, you know, it's nice to see the support. And we were talking about, you know, there's there's no answer. I really, that's the scariest thing about it is there is no answer because I don't believe that we should just unilaterally ban guns. I don't right, think that course. helps anything. But by the same argument, I see a lot of the uh, the Second Amendment crusaders and the Facebook warriors out here being like, well, if the populace was armed, this wouldn't have happened. Oh, that's a dumb number one. There were armed security guards present there, right? Mm-hmm. And number two, Florida is ridiculously easy to get a gun yeah. in. Very easy to get a, a, a gun in that state. There's never ever been a mass shooting stopped by an armed civilian. I don't think more guns are the answer, but I don't think we need to get rid of guns. I don't, I don't know what you do to stop this. Well, what? Go ahead, Cliff. I'm sorry. There, well, there are many, many small answers to a very large problem. So people who boil it down and are afraid to have those nuanced conversations because they're Mm. politicizing it, because they Mm. want to advance their own ideals, that's the problem. Yes. Because we cannot have an honest conversation about the many problems Mm. that we face as individuals, as a nation, as an international community, which is where this takes its roots. Uh, They're the problem. So those of you out there echoing stupidity in the chamber that is Facebook. You are personally responsible for facilitating a conversation where you cannot get to the root of any problem. Well, I think that's that's a problem with, you know, anybody who holds any kind of an extremist belief who won't even... I'm not asking Across you to board, change right. your mind. Right. I'm just asking you to entertain the yes. conversation that maybe there's a different perspective besides yours that might have some validity. Absolutely. And before we can have real conversations like that, I think you're right in the fact that, that nothing does get done. Right. So ISIS uh, posthum- uh, posthumously accepts this guy's declaration of loyalty, of which is like a thing that ISIS yeah, does. Of course, right. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I was listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of coverage on this today, I don't even really care about that angle because the justification for the reason that hate exists is kind of irrelevant. Whether it, he's a Muslim extremist or Absolutely a, right. Uh, right. a racist guy right. in his basement right. in like upstate New York, right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The issue at hand is that we are a country that is very interested in hate. We are a very. I'll go even people. further. Yeah. Just in, even an international community. Yeah. Yeah. International community that has Divided. a lot of yeah. frustration and hate. But and specifically here in America, people do love to hate. And there's a lot of people who are so quick to make this an ISIS thing where, like, you know, this guy says, yeah, you know, I've pledged allegiance to ISIS and this and that. And he made a 911 call and, you know, he is of, he is of, I think, Pakistani descent or something like that. I don't yeah, his really. Parents were Afghani. Right? So yeah, right. Afghani, something yeah. like that. He's what born in New Jersey, though. Well, you know right. what I mean. Yeah. And I think that this is, you know, to rush to make this about ISIS and like that was the thing I was seeing. Like I saw so many people being like, "Oh, this is Obama's fault because right. ISIS." Exactly. This is a different That's thing. A limiting conversation. I mean, you're looking right. at a guy who's had multiple conversations with the FBI about you know his different leanings and some things he was saying. You're looking at a guy who's gotten in trouble for domestic abuse a couple of times, which is another thing that doesn't really get talked about but there's a lot of these mass shooters and it's hard to keep them in track because they happen monthly now but a lot of these mass shooters have a a backlog of domestic disputes which is something that doesn't really get Mm. talked about i mean these people you know they have these these red flags and these trigger warnings and different stuff like that and it's Mm. not that you should you know 
lock up every person who has that, but there has to be a way to keep closer tabs. Like, I, d I don't know what the answer is, but I ha there has to be something somewhere that can be done. Uh, I have another point I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you guys read about this. Have you read about the, the ban in the United States about gay and bisexual men donating blood? That, yeah, that's right. disgusting. <laughs> what a, yeah. that's, what that's, a punch. That's one of the most disgusting things. The fact that we still, and like, that goes to show the problem, that we still have this idea in our head of the gay boogeyman who's infested with AIDS, yeah. who can't donate blood. That's insane to yeah. me. The fact you can blood test these people, people can show records, all that. I mean, everybody's got bloodborne diseases. Well, what they came out to say, though, is now they're saying, oh, it's okay, but you have to prove you haven't had sex in a year. Oh. So how? Right. Number one. And also, uh, this does not, this is only for gay men. Right. Lesbian women do not have the same ban, well, which is really like, oh my God. It's, it, <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. And it's, it's one of those things where there's yeah. no basis for it besides just like, that's just bigoted fear mongering. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. Mm. It's indefensible. It it's is. indefensible. Perhaps many chickens coming home to roost in the same way right? that you I know mean, a lot of stuff feels like that and it's not you know it's not a good feeling everybody should be donating blood all the time and they said they've got so much blood down in orlando the people have donated they're like you gotta chill for a little bit yeah um i saw something there's something that's going on i don't know if you guys saw this here locally that i think is really cool in relation to this um a local girl by the i only know her as reg i yeah, don't know yeah, her yeah. full name she sent me an email today at work um She's putting together uh, multicolored, all the different colors of the rainbow t-shirts for Utica, United for Humanity, and she's going to be selling them this Thursday down on Varick Street. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be 10 bucks a pop for the shirt, and all proceeds go to the United Way, uh, the chapter of the United Way down in Orlando right. to go help with this. So she's already got that worked out through United Way. She's going to be selling them down at Saranac Thursday, 10 bucks a pop. So uh, if you see her out, you hopefully you see these t-shirts everywhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as not to delve too much into somebody's business, but as somebody who identifies with the LGBT community for her, it's awesome to see somebody taking a response from all the way across the country and to go out and actually do something for it and mobilize in their streets. And um, with John Oliver said something or it was either John Oliver or Stephen Colbert. I can't remember who it was. I watched so much coverage about this today. They made a great point that we always, I think, need to remind ourselves that no matter how many terrible, evil people there are that do things like this, no matter how much hate there is in the world, these people are still outnumbered by good people with good hearts who are going to keep yeah. doing good things and bring love yeah. into the world. And I guess that's the only answer is you just keep fighting and spreading love and humanity and embracing everybody that you see as much as you can. And so they're outnumbered by the billions. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. it's not a yeah. small number. Um, um, so just don't wait to react. Like in a situation like this, we all react afterwards and take care of things. But, um, you know, hug somebody. Yeah. Say hello to someone. And be nice and check your bias. The whole self-evaluate. The whole point of terrorism is to is to make people scared and to make people live their lives in fear. So if you go around after something like this, and it's, this is so much easier to say than to do, but if you go around, you live your life scared, looking over your shoulder, and you alter the way you behave and the fundamental core of your being just because you're scared, then these people do win. Right. That makes them win, and it sounds, you know, it's a tacky, cliche thing to say, but yeah. the terrorists win if you go live your life in fear, so don't, don't let them. Yeah. No matter what happens, you keep marching on and doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and just a reminder, folks... 
there's no reason for anyone to ever own an, a- an uh, AR-15. Like, I don't understand the Probably concept not a good of reason. why a human being should no. be able to own one in this country for any reason. doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand the necessity for someone to own a piece of equipment that is meant only for the murder of other... For mass murder. For mass murder of yeah. other human beings. I don't, I don't understand it. Because it's their goddamn right given to them by the Constitution of America. Which is, which is not true. Like, no, that's at not all. at all what it says. It's ridiculous. It's I mean, <laughs> oh I, listen, God. I've got no problem with guns, gun owners uh, for like the most God. part. I know so many responsible gun owners who use them well, you know, this and that, but there there has to be a rational adult conversation about it and not just fear mongering and NRA like rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's all it is. Yeah. We love rhetoric in this country, sadly. Yeah, well, it's because it's easy. Yeah. It is easy. I think I'm going to need another cup of coffee. I do, too. Uh, speaking of having another cup of coffee, let's move into uh, this week's interview. Uh, I have been trying to pin down the elusive Frank Elias of Utica Coffee Roasting. For... Since, like, episode one. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> he, uh, again, this is uh, unlike last week where I had a very nice conversation with a guy I've known for many years. This was a an interesting conversation with a fascinating person I'd never met. And uh, we went about 20 minutes uh, we kind of got off script at the end, and I really think it was some of the best best part of the episode. Like he he has a very fascinating mind. We actually talked about Facebook, ironically, before yeah. we even talked about yeah. it here today. He was he's been on that his last couple weeks himself about people on Facebook and what kind of messages it sends for people. Uh, so we had a great conversation about uh, about coffee roasting company, uh, what he did before that, what he's hoping to do in the future, and a whole lot more. So we'll be back in just a moment. Refill these cups. Refill them. tank top underneath as well. Aye, aye, aye. Um, so, Frank, I gotta tell you, uh, I talked to my mom today. Uh, my mom just bought a Utica passport, and she has been very geeked up about using it for the last week or so. She's called awesome. me today. She's like, I'm going to Bike Bakery. Now I'm going down to Taylor to see if I can get a reservation. And I'm like, you can just ask me. Uh, but she told me today, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going down to Utica Coffee Roasting. And I said, uh, she's like, do you, know, do you know if Frank's gonna be there? And I was like, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be. <laughs> That's your mom. Your mother yeah. was my first grade teacher? Yes. My mom was your first grade teacher. Uh, we've She's talked about this many times to me. She's very excited that um, I told her you were coming on. That's now. cool. Um, so that, that was her first year of teaching. I know. She's <laughs> she's She was a, she was a great woman to grow up with as a, as a young kid because she was so good. And by the time, you know, by the time I was born, she was in like her 35th year teaching. Yeah. She was, I think it was 44, 45 years by the time she retired. She was so good. But I can't imagine what she was like first year. She must have been so terrified <laughs> that first year. Especially with the class that she had. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to put two and two together then and assume you went to Conkling then? Is that your No, first? I went to General Herkimer. General Herkimer. So General yeah. Herkimer. Okay. Ger- Did she go from General Herkimer? Yeah, General Herkimer to Conkling. Yeah. yeah. yeah, And then Columbus years after that. Um, but for the folks who are just joining us, we're talking to Frank Elias. You are the president of Utica Coffee Roasting, the, the Utica, Roasting, uh, Utica Coffee Roasting Company, the most incorrectly pronounced 
coffee roasting company's <laughs> name. I, no one ever says it right when they bring it up to me. They're like, I'm going to get you to get coffee or coffee roasters. And no one knows the full title. Um, but I'm glad to have you here. You've been a, well, you, thank you, sir. You've been a name that we've talked a lot about having on over the last few months. And I'm glad that you're finally here. Uh, before we get into the coffee roasting, I want to know a little bit about you, though. Uh, you know, so you, you went to General Herkimer. It makes me assume you were probably born in this area, assumingly. Uh, born in this area. In fact, I, you know, going back to as far as I can remember, I, I remember up until about kindergarten, growing up on Elm Street in in Utica, mm-hmm. um, then moved to North Utica, where I did go to General Herkimer mm-hmm. School, um, and then later went to St. Peter's, graduated from St. Peter's, and then on to one year at Notre Dame, and then after that, Whitesboro. So you were for high school then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in that meantime, we moved to Deerfield, where, mm. where I continue to reside. Mm. Are you Deerfield now? I am. Did you, did you go to college post? What? I did. I went to college. I went to Herkimer College. Then I transferred to Clarkson University. Clarkson, nice. Obtain, obtained a, a bachelor's of, in science, of science in uh, industrial management. Then worked in manufacturing for five or six years, maybe seven. And then went back and got my master's in business administration. Now, that's interesting to me. So science and industrial mechanics, what, what was your initial, like when you were getting out of high school, was that like your goal? Did you want to be like an industrial mechanic? Or like what, what's the, I don't know what the future path Oh my gosh, when I graduated was. from high school, I wanted to make $12.50 an hour and I would have been happy. <laughs> really. And back then, twelve fifty was a lot. Now it's uh, pretty much minimum wage. Hmm. But um, that was what I wanted at the time. I didn't know what I wanted. In fact, if there's any kid that just graduates from high school knows what they want, it's a lot of pressure to know what you that's want. Pretty, now. That's pretty boring. You better yes. you better explore a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. options throughout your life. Hmm. All right. So you were doing. So I'm curious at where your passion for coffee filtered in, though. Did you were you always a coffee drinker? You know where it came time? from. Uh, passion for making things, really? manufacturing huh. things. I like making things hmm. um, and building things. So, so that's where it came hmm. from, and that's my degree. Industrial hmm. management was a mix of manufacturing, engineering, yeah. and I, that's what I focused on. I focused on uh, manufacturing and engineering. And so it was, it was a technical business degree sure. that I received from Clarkson. Hmm. Um, then went and applied it for five, six, seven years in industry, and then said, oh my gosh, manufacturing, there's got to be more to this. <laughs> Especially when at that time, which was about 19, I'm going to say 94, 95, yeah. somewhere in there, the, the Utica area was was seeing this exodus yeah. of manufacturing jobs. So those people that were employed um, were, were questioning um, what their future might hold here in the greater Utica Mohawk Valley area. Now you gotta. I don't. I don't mean to date you. I was ninety four. I'm thinking I was eight, not eight or nine in ninety four. Okay. But I was. I do remember there was a period of time when my parents were more cognitive about like the state of the city, and mm-hmm. it was in that period in the late nineties sure. when it. There were four yeah. sale signs everywhere. Yeah, and my dad owned a private business as well at the time, and that you know that had its own issues outside of you know. Lowe's and Home Depot moving in, but mm-hmm. it, it was it was a conversation that I remember not understanding as a young child in that age, but hearing more and more as I got toward the early 2000s, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so 94, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, so so I was working in manufacturing at that point in time, and then uh, I, I realized in order for me to grow, I had to obtain more education. So I went back to school full-time mm-hmm. and went back to Clarkson uh, for the Accelerate, Accelerated MBA program, and I graduated from Clarkson with a focus on international business. Really? And yeah. specifically up there, I worked with the Canadian U.S. Consulting Group, nice. and I actually finished my master's at the uh, Maastricht School of Management in Maastricht, Netherlands. Mm. Wow, really? Yeah. How long were you out there for? Um, just for the summer. Oh, in just Europe. for the summer? In Europe for the summer. It What's was it like a summer I've never, MBA program. I've never been to Europe. I so. took two classes. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I've always wanted to go. That's like one of my, like, uh, my... I'm not the kind of guy who wants to go, like, on vacation to, like, a tropical... Like, I don't want to go to the Bahamas. I would rather go to, like... Something that I can like. I'm interested in Europe because I could go see all. This. Yeah, there's something sure. to it. Don't get me wrong. If you want to send me to the Bahamas or Costa Rica, I'm into that too. Especially <laughs> January, February. Yes, yeah, I'm a January kid, so for me it's tough. But uh, so I, I don't want to get too far off you to coffee stuff because mm-hmm. uh, you know I do have a couple questions relating to that. But oh, I am curious. Uh, we talk a lot about this show on about Bag Square. We've had a lot of people from Bag Square in the Bag Square area. Uh, who've been on to talk about the resurgence, quote-unquote, Bag Square area, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of different names. Um, certainly Bag Square today, especially the section of Bag Square that you do coffees in, um, that area is much different than it was for me in 2007 when I left. Sure. Uh, I don't know the exact year that you guys set up shop in that location. It's uh, 92 Genesee Street? It's 92 yeah, Genesee yeah. Street. Uh, do you, what year was the first you guys set up there? Oh, my gosh. I think I bought that building in 2000. Two, 2002. And at that point in time, I saw what the vision was for. Mm. At the time, they called it the Gateway District. Yeah. And I saw what the vision was, and I believed in what it could be. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at the downtown Main Street, and I saw that it had potential. And what others didn't see at that point in time, I guess I, I saw the potential for, and I thought... This is downtown Main Street. It mm. can't get any worse than this. Yeah. This is a good place for me to invest. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I did. And I fixed up the building. I put, you know, sweat equity into the project. I did most of the work sure. there myself. Mm. Um, at the time, there were there were others in the neighborhood that gave us all signs of hope. Mm. The Boilermaker Hall of Fame. Yeah, building, I remember that. They. Yeah were located there. So that was that was one uh, of the neighbors who really stood for uh, some of the things that we've seen mm-hmm. happen yeah. in that area over the past several years. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there were many, um, there were bright spots, but there were also blight spots yeah. as well. And yeah. there continue to be blight spots and areas for opportunity. <laughs> Uh, I see, for me, I remember a lot of, uh, growing up, I was playing in a lot of bands, so that area, when Virgo Bats was down there, Virgo Bats and right. Leo Frog's Coffee that? House. Sure. I, yeah, that was, well, that was big for us. Uh, at, we were 15, 16, 17, playing punk rock music, and for us, there weren't a lot of places that would allow us to play original music. Sure. You, could, you, you weren't going into Captain Trips or uh, any bar or establishment's going to pay you and play original punk rock songs. People didn't want to hear that, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, Robin, who is a 
wonderful lady. We talk about her all the time on the show. Right. Uh, and she saw yeah. the vision. Yeah. She played a role in yeah. making these things happen. Yeah. So it's, you know, people like that that you can look at and say, hey, they actually played a role here yeah. too. And they continue to play a, a role in the resurgence of... Well, that's, that's one of my reasons I love to go to the tram is because it sort of reminds me of going to Virgo Baths when I look at all the stuff. It's very similar to me. Uh, but still, though, it's like, that was a different time for me. I was very young at that time. Mm-hmm. The, the coffee, you know, the coffee shop really, for me personally, was one of the first uh, things in that area that was like, I'm going to go out of my way to come to this location. Well, right? thank like, goodness. Well, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like, it, it, was it a struggle initially to get a lot of foot traffic when you first oh, were so Sam, the yeah. feedback that I received yeah. from even the people that now will say, oh, geez, it was a good idea to do this. The feedback I received was, this is a terrible area. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Why wouldn't you invest somewhere else? Mm. Um, and I remember having the vision for the business and how the business would work. And, and we are supportive of those same mm-hmm. um, principles and, and framework of our business structure even today. But at the time, it wasn't ready for retail down yeah. there. And I would look for people to work with us, and they would not even get out of their car mm. because they felt unsafe. Yeah. Um, the folks from Clinton or Whitesboro or New Hartford were very reluctant to come down there at that time. They had remembered back only 5, 10, 15, 20 years to when their, that area was not as safe, clean, or friendly. Um, But it is now, and you see what's happening. We're bringing those people in, and that's making the biggest difference. That's making a big difference. I don't want to be a shill to you, by the way, as we're sitting here, but I have to tell you, I've been buying this Southern Pecan coffee from your your store here. It's, it's good I, I stuff, can't stop. Isn't it? I'm addicted. It's terrible. Justin Parkinson from Maiden Utica gave me one cup like six months ago, and I can't stop. It's, it's keep drinking. <laughs> Just keep on drinking coffee. Uh, so I do want to uh, do want to ask you this. Uh, from everything I gather from the conversation we've had, you seem pretty pleased about the way things have gone since 2002. Certainly, right? Seems like things have been moving. Sure. But you also seem like the kind of guy who doesn't like to rest on his laurels, from what I've gathered from our conversation so far. So what I'm curious about is what would you like to see going forward with Utica Coffee Roasting Company? Well, our business is it's broken into five mm-hmm. main categories. You've yeah. got the retail component. You've mm-hmm. got the wholesale, which you buy the Southern Pecan yes, in the local stores. You've got the online component. You've got the special events. And then you've got fundraising, mm-hmm. which we do through area schools. Uh, we will continue to focus on those five core areas of the business uh, where we see growth opportunities. We will seek them out and execute plans to to grow the business in, in that regard. You know, we're a, a for-profit mm-hmm. business with a social mission, and part of our social mission um is to revitalize the community through responsible business development, hiring people, doing business locally, um, promoting the area in good and positive ways. It's it's inherent in our mission. Um, it it's good business, and we will continue to do just that. Wonderful, uh, Frank. Before I uh, before I let you go today, I have some questions. These are a little bit more. Uh, we'll try something different. These are a little bit more right. fun questions Shoot. for you. Go. Uh, first one. Uh, what is your personal favorite product at the store? 
when, like, when you go in, what's your favorite product to show people? I'm most proud of the quality of coffee that we produce. Mm -hmm. We put a lot of effort in sourcing yeah. the highest quality coffee. Mm -hmm. And every morning when I come in, the first thing I do is I take a little, a little sifter glass of each of the coffees that we've got yeah. on tap. Mm -hmm. um, and I let it cool a little bit mm -hmm. because I can taste it a little bit better when it's cool. <laughs> and I taste it and I make sure that the quality mm -hmm. is there. Yeah. And when I do that, that's that's the product I yeah. like best and most. Mm. It's it's the mm. it's the coffee that's brewed and black, mm. so I can taste the quality. Well, that answers my next question. How do you take your coffee? I'm gonna say you're black coffee man. I prefer black coffee. Sure. Right. Um, all right. I got uh, this. Is another one. Actually, I was speaking to a mutual friend of ours, uh, the man from Dirty Jersey Images, Mark Simon, who you know <laughs> yeah, very well. Sure. Uh, and I asked Mark, uh, you know, what's some things you know about Frank that you know I could ask him about? And he's and he basically told me that you are very interested in antiquing. Oh, all the time. <laughs> and that you I love all... garage sales. <laughs> You're sure. a big garage sale guy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and he also said you are a bicycler. I am. Yeah, uh, I actually did a lot of biking in New York City. That was where I was forced to learn how to bike. That's how a lot of people got around. Isn't biking in New York City awesome? You know, I, I got to tell you the truth. I'm not a coordinated gentleman. Like, I had friends who were great bike riders, and we would go bike riding, and they'd be turning around and riding one uh -huh. hand waving at me. Right. I am the kind of guy who I need to have, <laughs> like, both hands on the wheel. <laughs> I'm not super coordinated. I will say, it is... It was nice in New York because everything was so set up for bike riding. I almost sometimes, like, it's nice to ride bikes around here, but it's not necessarily set up for bike riders around here. True. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's something I'd... I'd like to see maybe do something for that going forward around here. Certainly, uh, you know, it helped my commute around the local neighborhood. I, I do it quite often. Yeah. I, I find it enjoyable, but it's also a, a great way to see a city. Uh, New York City, it's great to bike ride. Yeah. And it's gotten a lot better over the mm. past 10, 15 years when it comes to bike riding. And, and Utica, um, believe it or not, it really is a nice city yeah. to bike. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize the character of the communities until yeah. you take a bike around. And you look yeah. at the people who may not live in the nicest homes, but who are taking care of their homes, mm. who are mowing their lawns who are planting flowers, who are doing their best to make that community a better place to live. So, you know, I like riding the bike. Yeah. It, it really um, immerses you into um, well, yeah, the street a, level. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a visceral form of transportation. You can feel that wind around you, feel like you're part of the environment. Cars, I liked having a car. Uh, and we're actually, that's the next question. Uh, what was your first car? Oh, my gosh. 1970 Pontiac Le Mans convertible. <laughs> Ooh, Le Mans convertible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I always liked having a car, but a car is different. A car is very uh, introverted, almost in a way. Like when you're in the car, it's like your own little safe space around the rest of the world. Like when I'm in my car, I got my music. Of course, I'm like a windows down guy. People get mad when I'm in the car because even in like the I winter, like windows down. Yeah. Sure. Even in the winter, I'll turn the heat on, you but can, have the windows you, cracked. Yeah, I can't, you need yeah. to breathe. Yeah, I can't help it. It's a little stuffy in there otherwise. Uh, last one. Uh, what? Uh, just give our listeners uh, something you are either listening to, watching, or reading at the moment. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah what am I listening to? Well, with the new cable channels all changing, <laughs> I am 
watching a lot of Netflix these mm-hmm. days. I like Netflix. Uh, but I'm really missing the news and educational channels. I feel mm-hmm. left out and lost in that regard. So, you know what? I'm left like the rest of you uh, by with getting our, my information through Facebook and, and Twitter, Twitter yeah. which is quite biased and quite limiting. It's tough, isn't it? I have a, I have a rough time. Facebook, I, I won't take news from anymore. Like, I... I, my Facebook, because I had Facebook for so long, I was right in that age range when I hit Facebook right at the very beginning of when Facebook was, like, available to my... Sure. Right? I, there's so many people on it that I, I can't even... I can barely comb through the information that's being sorted. I, I almost, like, write off most of the things I see on Facebook, unfortunately, which is why it took us so long to get a Uticast Facebook page, because I just had a hard time keeping up with it. But imagine, yeah. that's where most of us these yeah. days are getting our yeah. information, and whether it's true or not... It doesn't matter because we heard it on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I think we've entered a weird time frame where uh, almost any news source, whether it's private or you know, privately owned or funded by somebody, uh, everyone has whatever slant the money is coming from is leading you toward. You know what I mean? If you have enough money, you can own the media company and tell them to write what you want them to write. No one, I don't know. But what's interesting, Sam? Yeah. Is you've got a podcast and people are listening to this and you don't have any money. No. So the good thing is <laughs> certainly not. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, true. Um, well, that's the joy about doing the show. Actually, I've, I've talked about it many times in the show. Uh, I got I fell in love with like the podcast medium when I was living in New York. Like yeah. I specifically listened to Mark Marin. I I loved his long for his long uh, format podcast. Talked to somebody for like an hour and a half, and you really. You get to learn a lot of a lot from somebody just by hearing their voice. Even like it's one of my issues with text messaging. Like you text message somebody and context is lost because you don't hear those little inflections of someone's voice mm-hmm. when they're having a real conversation. And with what you. was the real meaning yeah. of no or maybe. Yeah, well it takes it takes the subtlety and beauty of like conversation out of the equation when you're speaking with another human being, right? It's very cold now the way we Converse in public. So think about how <laughs> the ways you can manipulate or not oh, yeah. uh, the message to a a an audience that is now um, a world audience yes. at your fingertips from right here on Leslie Ave in Utica. <laughs> it's it's something we we laughed about it when we were playing in the bands. Uh, there are so if you were playing in the band now, you can put your music out for the entire world to hear in such a way that's so cheap and so accessible and so easy, but also so can everybody else. So now you do have a platform, but now your platform is engulfed by the masses of everybody else because now everyone else has the same And congratulations, how do you make money off of that? You've got the great audience, but now how can you... Yeah, make a living out of and it, and that's uh, and that's something we we spend a lot of time thinking about here at the podcast. <laughs> uh, Frank, I listen. Uh, I really want to thank you for coming in today. I know uh, we have you in between sessions for things, and it's a real pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with you. Fascinating, fascinating gentleman. Where can people learn a little bit more about the company uh, website? Utica, what's the website here for you guys? It's uh, uticacoffeeroasting.com. And, uh, or you can just go to wakethehellup.com. Is that the website title? It there is. you go. See? Yeah. And, uh, and you were on Twitter at Utica Coffee. The, uh, the company's on Twitter at Utica Roasting. Correct. I, did, I had to do a little bit of research on that. <laughs> Frank, listen, a real, real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you having so. me. Oh, it's, it's great. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a minute.
Okay, and thanks again to the man, Frank Elias. He uh, he came over today between two different jobs he was supposed to be doing. So I really appreciate that he was out here uh, doing work. Uh, Cliff, while I got you here, I wasn't planning on actually talking about sports at all today. But while I have you here, I do want to bring this up. You are a big fan of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, UFC. Yeah, I think I'm the official uh, Uticast yeah. correspondent. You have yeah, no correspondent. Yeah. No, I tell sure. people about that. Yeah. There's the a official s- Ford Lance correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the UFC got a little bit of, I wouldn't call it bad press, but uh, mixed press this week uh, with Ariel Helwani. I yes. know... You, Yes. How familiar are you with this? I'm sure you've read a lot. Yeah, about very it, familiar. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it hits me on so many points. Yeah. Out of my depth, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> all right, so, I literally uh, haven't even heard this. All right, so Ariel uh, Helwani uh, was a reporter for UFC, and he was, uh, in my opinion, uh-huh, never mind. I heard all about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was probably their one of their better reporters. I want to say like, he was a well-received reporter by most of the general media outside of the company. Uh, yeah. To me, he is the go-to guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he reported about the return of Brock Lesnar at UFC 200, uh, apparently before the UFC uh, was ready to announce that information, and he was thus banned uh, from UFC. It also came out not too long afterwards in a podcast that he did that he was paid by the UFC all this time to be their reporter. Uh, I think that's most of the major points here, but I'll let you dig into this a little bit if you'd like. Um, so... The basic the basic thing here is that it's a complete violation of what we expect and the freedoms we we expect to have for journalists. Right. Um, and I know it's only sports, uh, but it, it I don't think it matters in that we don't want yet. Dana White is well within his rights to squelch whatever voice he wants to because he owns the company. He's sure. well within his rights. It's not a qu- private conversa- company. Yeah. Right. It's not a conversation about. Whether he legally has the right to do so, that's just absolutely not not the point. He absolutely has the right to do so. Uh, it's that it totally lacks integrity to do mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And that's something that we see from Dana White quite a bit, uh, is a complete lack of integrity, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like, it, and it and it raises the question, uh, not too far off from the Gawker case, which we'll talk about in a right, minute as well, right. uh, about the importance of independent uh, journalism to sports, right? Like, I... To everything. To, right. every, well, to, to everything, everything, yeah. Well, sports yes. in this case, but to everything. Um, and it, it makes you it makes you curious about how much news or content you're receiving that is already being doctored by are the media. We, are we actually still curious about that, though? I'm curious sometimes. I, really? Because I feel like it's an accepted fact that the majority of the quote-unquote news media we consume is bought and paid for. Right. Like, if I were to turn on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News... Or even the New York Times, the Boston Globe, the Washington Post. I assume everything I'm reading or, or viewing is coming from a slant based on who's paying the money and who owns the company. And mm. I think that's pretty demonstrable and pretty provable. I don't. I don't really. I take everything with a whole salt shaker full of grains sure. of salt with most of yeah. the stuff I read from most news outlets these days. And it's a sad state of affairs, but it's the truth. And to pretend it isn't, you either like don't know or you're just willfully covering your eyes. Isn't it a little strange? I mean, the lack of, I think, forethought that went into it because there was no way that he was going to be removed from the venue, had his media credentials stripped, was basically banned from UFC for the rest of his career, mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to tell somebody about it, and there wasn't well, going to be back. Wasn't he reinstated it. like nine hours later? Uh, I think it took at, at least a day or two. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't as quick as that. Right, yeah. um, well, actually, Tim Marksman, who is the um, who is the uh, editor at Deadspin, is a huge UFC guy. 
Uh, and he had, he was on a podcast last week, Jonah Carey's podcast, talking about how UFC does have a history of banning uh, journalists who speak even moderately right. ill of their product. So the UFC already has a history of sort of doctoring the message that they're sending out to the world, which, again, doesn't necessarily surprise me. Right. No, I feel uh, like that's no and, different than the four majors either. Yeah. Well, within their rights. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they pay people. They get to shape their message. They get to shape their brand. Mm-hmm. That's totally understandable and, like you said, should be expected. And, again, it, with sports, it doesn't seem like a problem. But when you start to push this over into generalized news that people believe is unbiased, that's when danger starts to come on the horizon. I think that's where you start to see a big generational divide. Um, yeah. Like, you see, there's a lot of, you know, one of the things, like, we talk about sometimes with, like, the prevalence of something like Fox News that pushes... You know, pretty. It's it's not very controversial to say they push pretty false narratives, kind of often for a slant. You know what I mean? They they get caught sometimes contradicting themselves, this and that. But when you look at them, the reason that they're so successful and so many people believe them, and you look at those demographics, it's a generational divide between people maybe in our parents' age range who grew up being able to trust the news, right? And then you've got younger folks like us, and you know people even younger than us who grew up. With this narrative that the news is bought and paid for, this is all kind of bullshit, like, and people who don't really trust it as much, but I think you still see a huge wealth of people, you know, if you look at our parents, they grew up trusting everything that came on the news as real journalism. Well, let me get, let me bring the Gawker thing into this, because uh, Gawker today, uh, not today, earlier this week, filed yeah. for bankruptcy yeah. uh, because of the Hulk Hogan case, and of course, uh, Hulk Hogan's benefactor, Peter Thiel, who, uh, Patrick Thiel, whatever his name, the, he's a scumbag, I've read a lot about him, uh... Gawker got a lot of uh, heat for this whole Hulk Hogan thing. I think a lot of people in general, I think most people are probably on the anti-Gawker side. The general idea being like, well, they've done a lot of bad journalism. Um, Like, they deserve what they got. They kind of reaped what they sowed, right? The other side of that coin is that Gawker would cover, uh, Gawker and the Gawker brands that came underneath it, certainly, did a lot of stories and work that other companies weren't touch, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that that company may no longer exist, right? Like they covered that whole Kevin Johnson story. I feel like there's, you know I, mean? like, I feel like there's no chance that they actually don't exist. But now you get into a situation where you almost hope that another multi-billionaire buys the company, who's like, well, I like this company. I don't want to see them get screwed. Now you're getting into a battle between people with money who are going to again shift the narrative because they have the money. I think yeah. you. I don't. I don't think anybody buys because it's only chapter eleven, so they're restructuring so they can pay their debts. They're not going to yeah. have. You know what I mean? Like it's basically just. It's a it's a, a restacking move, you know what I mean? It's a strategic move. I think the same people will stay in charge down there. Um, for as much as I mean, I like Gawker. I like a lot of Gawker media. For at the very least, like uh, Deadspin stuff like that. Yeah, Deadspin. I do yeah. read relatively often stuff like that, and I've got my own qualms with them. I think this sure. Hulk Hogan thing. I'm specifically glad this is the one that bit him in the ass because I think they're hypocrites about it. Mm. Like they've got no problem showing Hulk Hogan, but when it's like Jennifer Lawrence and everybody, they're like, "This is shameful." But when it's Hulk Hogan, the guy, it's journalism. But that's neither here nor there. I don't think you'll see them disappear, but you are right about the fact that you have to be concerned about these people getting bought up and somebody who's doing real like real work and somebody who's not afraid to say what they want and yeah. like, you know, do the straight stuff and not controlled by corporate overlords. You would hate to see that disappear either yeah. way. And I would say, and I think one of the things that Gawker did pretty well that I don't see a lot of companies do is they would post counterpoints to their own pieces, right? right? Mm-hmm. So for even though that that Hogan article came out, there mm-hmm. was a counter piece about that specific piece that they also put up. That one certainly didn't get the traction that the first one did, yeah. but that's something that they would do, which you didn't see a lot of other companies doing. It's not like Fox News is putting out a narrative and then three weeks later they're like, "Hey, I have a counter narrative that someone right. else at the 
company wrote I'd be like to put and out. And I for think you. that's one of the benefits of having like I mean they've got I mean underneath their umbrella of of blogs or yeah. you know uh, letterheads whatever you want to call them they've got yeah. a lot of different sites mm-hmm. and a ton of really good writers and it's cool to be able to do that and yeah. be able to consume. As opposed to going somewhere and getting, you know, strictly one sort of viewpoint on it. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool to be able to go and have one person letting people debate. I think that's a valuable way to, to not only put out your media, but to consume media. I, uh, I got to say, though, I think, um, I think one of the things that makes me uh, concerned is that we're in the era now of media companies starting and ending in, like, five or six years streams. Like, I can already think of two or three, like, major like news or information sources that I really like to go to that are now either on the way out or already gone. And you didn't see that as much. Like yeah. The New York Times has been around for, you know, however many years, but like how long was Grantland around? 10 years, right? Like we watched that. Not like, even close. Not even? Not like even less than not that? Not even close. No, I, I would venture to say maybe not five. Well, I think what you're seeing though is you're going to start seeing more and more niche small media groups come up and come down. Like I probably should have expected that at some point in time Gawker would not be here, right? Theoretically. I- yeah. I do think that a big part of that is probably because um, for as much as it seems ubiquitous and like it's been a part of our entire lives, the internet is still in a very, very early age mm-hmm. and new media is still very young. Yeah. So it's still kind of the Wild West. You know what I mean? Like we've got these papers that have been around forever, like the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Boston Globe. But I have to imagine back in the first 10, 20 years they were starting those papers, there were probably a bunch that came, came and, and went, went right, and, came yeah, and went yeah. and stayed and, you know, we just haven't seen a long enough time to see who stands the test of time, but it is still kind of like the Wild West. I actually feel pretty good about the coming and going. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a kind of a, a, a cleansing because, sure. I mean, if you look at staples of reporting, you basically create this power structure where the person at the bottom that says the thing that caters to the person at the top is likely to advance, and then you get a streamlining and a filtering of mm. dialogue naturally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we keep this cycle up and, and we keep seeing new media sources pop up, then mm. we're more likely to get a, a less streamlined dialogue. And, mm. you know, the, the Internet has really done amazing things for us in that in that respect. It leveled the playing field. As yeah, far as quite media a bit. Goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I got another story. This is not exactly in the same line of concept, but uh, Microsoft bought LinkedIn today for $26.2 billion. <laughs> Something yeah. crazy like that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I feel like that's probably like the death knell for LinkedIn. You think so? It'll be. It, this is the beginning. It, it won't be instant, but this will be a slow dying. Yeah. Overrated, underrated LinkedIn. I've never really used it too much up until very recently. I've had very little to talk about on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, like the stuff yeah, that. That's fair. I've never, I've never been the type to go. Like, I've, I've never really been on a traditional career path where, like, I go to school for this thing, get a job in the field that I went to school for, advance, do an internship. Hey, I feel like, you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like link, I've always felt like LinkedIn is a little bit too professional for me, and I'm probably wrong, and that's probably like my own self-loathing, just like shining through. But I think the concern with LinkedIn there is it's just going to be Microsoft just pushing their products on everybody now, just like they do everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I've ever had a use for LinkedIn, um, and maybe that's my issue, but I don't know. <laughs> I downloaded LinkedIn and joined it because one specific job I was attempting to get wanted you to have a LinkedIn profile, right, you know what I mean? Yeah. But th- I feel like I didn't get any benefit out of it afterwards, and who knows, maybe Microsoft will like do some fancy work to it make it nicer but i i don't know i've never found any luck with it it's another thing though man it's just one of the giant giant companies just buying, buying up all more stuff. the cool stuff <laughs> i feel like it's gonna just turn into there's gonna be windows 10 advertisements yeah. popping up every time you sign in 
All right, uh, mailbag question that we didn't do last week came in after the show. Uh, this is from listener Pete. He asks, better David, David Bowie, or David Byrne? Ooh, wow. Ah, I know. Who wants this one, guys? Who wants to take this one first? Uh, I feel like you you have an opinion on this in a strong... I, I kind of um, know how you lean, you're, but... I'm, I'm actually... I would rather... I'm interested to guess your take. Before I hear your take, I'd like to <laughs> you guess. Wanna guess... You want to guess my take? I, David Byrne is your boy. That's kind of... You yeah. love, you mm-hmm. love, love, love David Byrne, but you might make the same argument that I think I'm inclined to make... Mm-hmm. Although I probably like, like, I probably like my five favorite Talking Heads songs more than I like my five favorite Bowie songs, Bowie has a longevity and a catalog that's tough for David Byrne to step to. David Byrne sure. was, a, was a big flash that, you know, burned very brightly but didn't last for as long. Bowie was putting out hits for decades. Well, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counterpoint that, though. David Byrne has been doing tons of stuff. For the last 20 years, just sure, not sure. at the same level of perception that maybe Talking Heads was at. You know, he did that album with St. Vincent that was good, but I don't think people listened to it. And now he does, like, marching band music. He's very eccentric. <laughs> he's also written a couple books. He's a little bit too uh, David Byrne yeah, for yeah. his own good. Yeah. yeah, he's a little bit sort of a renaissance man. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think I think you're actually pretty spot on, Kev, with the argument that I'm about to make. Uh, on a personal level, I would always take David Byrne because I love the Talking Heads. Talking Heads are a huge band for me. Uh, I happen to like him a little bit more aesthetically. I, I kind of uh, relate to David Byrne in a more yeah. uh, in a more personal way than uh, David Bowie. I would have a hard time as a Talking Heads mark sitting here and saying that David Byrne left the kind of imprint on the music landscape right, that David Bowie did. Right. Uh, that being said, I would take David Byrne personal. personally. Right. In a main, yeah. If you yeah. had to give up one or the other, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm taking David Byrne. Well, because that's yeah. what I mean. Because like, there's certain songs, like specifically like This Must Be The Place, Night oh, Melody. God. Such a I, like that's a, probably a top five favorite song for me. <laughs> yeah. Period. Like I would take that over any song that David Bowie's ever written. Just that yeah. song alone. But as far as like who's meant more to the culture as a whole, you have to say Bowie. So I'm gonna weigh in also personally. Um, I remember being a kid and uh, flipping through my dad's CD collection, and it was actually CDs. Yeah, CD. and there are not very many. Uh, there were maybe twenty of those CDs, and I'm sure, yeah, at the time they were twenty five dollars a piece. So flipping through them, I remember pulling out the Talking Heads. And that being the moment where it first dawned on me that my dad might be cool. Mm. You know, where I was mm. like, hmm, he might know something here. I should start listening more. Uh, so, yeah. How's that, that working? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say that about my I say that about my stepdad all the time because I used to hate his music, but I think he was an accidental hipster. He'd be like playing Elvis Costello right, and, right. and like Nick Lowe and Nick in the house, and I'd be like, what is this crybaby yeah, I feel music? Like, I feel like your stepdad's a little bit of a soft boy when it comes to music because he's kind of, yeah. like he doesn't <laughs> like any, like he doesn't like any like the heavier classic rock. Like he's got no real time for like a Zeppelin, but he's out there listening to like, oh, here's Don Denver. Oh, come on. Well, bro. I gave him all the Talking Head CDs to bring this around full circle and they were too much for him so it was a little too weird for I can, him you know what though i can see talking the talking heads are one of those bands probably not on the same level with a band like a Radiohead or somebody mm-hmm. but talking heads are one of those bands that if you were to just like pull a talking head song out of a hat at random you might get turned off really hard yeah. like if you don't Absolutely. if you don't yeah. start yeah. with the right songs yes. like yeah, you sure. might get scared off by some of the more obscure weird stuff right. you know yeah. you have to be introduced to it the proper way and you kind of have to know their place in history mm. and where they are I think are that's important too yeah. yeah yeah all right so i got two over unders guys uh one of them i feel like these are both sent in one of them i feel like is kind of obvious but the other one is interesting so let's 
Let's start with the uh, the uh, obvious one. Overrated or underrated? Owning a camp. Owning a camp. <laughs> overrated, underrated. Uh, I gotta tell you, I don't feel like there's a downside. I feel like it's underrated. As to, long, I mean, here as long as you can afford it. That's that's what it comes down really? to. Like, I, yeah, don't kill yourself to have a camp just so you can say you have a camp. See, I feel like that's fundamental, right? Yeah. So, oh, you how could so you would it? think so? <laughs> let's let's pull the listeners. See how many people have credit card debt for shit they don't. Well, need. yeah, there's a yeah. lot of people well, in America. Hey, yeah, uh, but how could it be overrated? I don't. I've been lobbying I can, our friends to try to get a camp for a very long time. And I feel like, on a camp. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's man. the look. Overrated, underrated, having a camp that doesn't have waterfront access. Mm. Overrated. Overrated. So you just get, that's a house in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, we have we'll a let house. the hedges grow. We'll we have a house in the woods camp that's not on the water, but it's walking distance to the water. Yeah, I but you're on like, the river. Though. That's the still river. Yeah, the black like, river. river is still yeah. okay, but you got to be close to water. I yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. No, yep. but camps are the best. I would love to have a camp. I agree. I oh, feel like there just, is a there is a certain amount of pain in the ass that comes with owning a camp. Certainly, I feel for sure. like like you're you're almost required to go there every summer, even if you like just to open it up, just to be there, yeah, even if course. it's not a good year for it, right? Like yeah, I'm going to the camp, put the boat in, it's raining. Nice. <laughs> you might be. It might it actually. You know, it may be a little bit overrated in the fact that there's so much extra stuff and yeah. maintenance mm-hmm. that you have to do with it. If you're listening and you're feeling overwhelmed. Call me. Yeah, and no, for I'll real. Take care of your if you, camp. We will be caretakers. <laughs> no, just anytime Utica, you need. The Maiden Utica caretaker team for access and rights to your camp. Yeah. We will come take care of it. We will yeah. help out. We'll cook. We'll clean. We'll bring the beers. It'll probably be there when we're done. Chances are. Uh, that's pretty good. Actually, <laughs> got more of that than I thought. Uh, so let's let's move on to the last one. Uh, this is one that I have mixed opinions on. Uh, overrated or underrated organic. Food, organic food. Oh man, here look it. Here's the thing. He's stressed. I really, I'm, I'm stressed. It's, listen, I, I normally, for all the listeners I talk about on the show a lot, I normally have Mondays off. I did not have this Monday off oh. because my my colleague, the other manager in my department, had to have he had today off. So one of us has to be there. So I'm just like, usually Mondays are super chill. I'm like by the time I'm podcasting, I'm just like loose and breezy and kind of sleepy. I am stressed, and this question has made me even more stressed. Um, here's the thing about organic food. I think it's underrated in the fact that you should know where your food comes from. You should not be eating processed garbage that isn't real food. You should be very cognizant of what you put in your body. I'm a hypocrite when I say that, but you should be and be out there looking. But people who go out and buy stuff organic just because it says organic on it, you need to understand that these companies are allowed to say organic even if it's not. Organic as a buzzword and as a fad and as a trend and people who put themselves over and think that they're better than somebody because they only eat quote-unquote organic, those people are overrated and they're just the worst. Yeah. But I do think it's underrated knowing what your food is, where it comes from, and having some a little bit more connection to what it is that we eat. People are very disconnected from the mm. food that we eat. Yeah. That's a very That's only been in about the last 50 to 60 years of all of human civilization, we become very disconnected from where our food comes from. And if organic means more people are getting locally sourced food, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know that those two things are directly correlated, though, because I know a lot of people that buy organic bananas, and this isn't exactly banana country. Yes, true, true. But I'm saying, like, if organic means pay more attention to where your food comes from, then it's underrated. If organic just means... It comes in this flashy green box and says organic, so now I can put it on Instagram. Overrated. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a really terrible joke to make about that as soon as we stop the show. Remind me. <laughs> okay, go, go ahead. Uh, you got a take on this, Clifford? Uh, it's basically just 
overrated. I'm, you know what? Yeah. I'll say it. Overrated. It's overrated. Oh. Know where your food comes from, like like mm-hmm. Kev said. Mm-hmm. Know what you're eating and how what you eat impacts oh. your body. And do us all that great service. And society at large. Yeah. As yeah, well. Yeah. But also yourself. Because if you're taking mm. care of yourself, of it, then yeah. you're having less mm. of a burden on everyone else. So mm. take care of yourself. I don't care if it's organic or not. Mm. Be healthy. I got hit pretty hard with the organic movement in Brooklyn when we were living there. Uh, a lot of the I gro- can't shocking. imagine. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I'll admit a couple things. If you go eat a box of strawberries, and then you go eat a box of organic strawberries... You'd be hard-pressed to tell me that the organic ones don't taste better. It makes a difference. It does taste better. Also, that organic box of strawberries probably cost you $2 more, right? Yeah. So what you inherently are doing is pricing the higher-quality food out of a certain well, price spectrum, right? You don't right? say. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a, nothing like that's what a we would huge do. problem in our society. Yes. Like people can't yeah. figure out why everybody's yeah. obese because... Terrible, shitty, fattening yeah. processed food is dirt cheap, and Very like cheap, the really yes. good quality food yeah. is highly expensive. There uh, is some kind of middle ground too, and we have to reach that middle ground because yeah. uh, I've been guilty of buying organic strawberries. Mm. I think they're the number one food that people recommend you buy organic because yeah. so many people use pesticides to grow yes. them, right? Yeah. Uh, but the shelf life on them is about one third. You can see that with a lot of farm to table stuff, though. Um, you know, like well, in general, what happens if yeah. you are then wasting that food? Well, right, well right. I, I think that gets into a larger conversation that we've gotten into an unhealthy level of just go to the grocery store and buy all this stuff. Like, don't buy it if you don't need it. Like, make smaller trips to the market and like, don't just buy strawberries to keep in your fridge for a week. Right. If you're not going to eat them, don't buy them. Right. Uh, and I think too, uh, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about the Gawker thing and or Hawani, and it ties in everything we're talking about. It's called full circle. Yeah, folks. full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Who? Who's here to say that the label that you show me that says organic on it is actually organic? I'm just taking this company's word that this is organic. Like, I'm sure that it is, right? They wouldn't, like, there's releg- regulation for it, but who knows? These right? big giant companies wouldn't lie to me. It ties into what we're talking about. Like, yeah, it's man. important to know the narrative and the context of the things where you accept into your mind and body come from. And I guess yeah, that's a full, exactly. yeah. yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Guys, good work today. I know that was a heavier episode than normal. I want to thank again Frank Elias for coming on. You can go to wakethehellup.com and check him out for Utica Coffee Roasting Company. Thanks again to Cliff Montoni. Love it. Ford, Ford Ward. Hey, there it is. <laughs> Ford Ward. Uh, for Kevin Sullivan, uh, I'm Sam Pamela. We'll be back next week. That was good, guys. Donate good blood. blood. Yeah, donate blood. Ford. Blood. He's good for the blood. Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> 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 <laughs>